0: Hello! Welcome to the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast, where we talk philosophy from the farm. Today we are joined by Scott Hebert from Flavorful Farms in Chilliwack, British Columbia. The interview you are about to listen to was an impromptu discussion we had. Together we discuss the various jobs Scott has, where he sees his farm going forward in the future, what it means to find our identity in our work, and much, much more. We cover a lot of different topics in this episode, and it's really a great lesson. So I hope you enjoy today's interview with Scott Hebert. Scott Hebert, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, Scott, I hope that you have been enjoying this wonderful season. Before we get to talking about some of the other stuff going on in your farm right now, I'd just really like to ask what's going on with the tiny house. I don't remember when we got our last update on that
1: um the tiny house the exterior's all done it's got electrical in it it's got plumbing in it i just have to it's got no on-grid water storage so um it's not hooked up to water because it's just got like a hose connection so i'll have to hook it up i'll have to wait till after water to be um to have water in my house but it's insulated uh, i'm semi moved in as much as i can be without having you know a shower and stuff out here right now okay. but yeah. uh yeah no it's pretty awesome
0: that's great. I've seen some of the videos you've been posting on Instagram with it, and it looks pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it's pro- like it's probably one of the most complicated things that I've ever made, but I think it's also gone the best of any project that I've ever worked on. Like of any of anything that I've ever made, because it's just yeah, it's so complex and so big. But it's just it's been like it's been a really really fun experience to be to have. Yeah, it's been fun.
0: It's like when you get to graduate from Legos to playing with the real tools.
1: Oh yeah. Well, it's just crazy. Like when I first put up all the walls and stuff, I was just looking at it and I was just like, so in, I was so in awe of the concept that you could have something intangible in your mind that doesn't exist at all in reality. Like it's all just in your mind. It's like, Oh, I'm going to build this house. Like this is how I'm going to do it. This is how the roof is going to look. This is how the walls are going to be. And then there's one day when you actually do it and it's sitting there and it's like, wow, like I made all, like I made all this with my hands, but I also made all of it with my mind. And then it's just like, it's just been this really cool process of like, I've done, I've done everything in this house. I had, I've had an electrician come and he, um, he wired, he showed me what I needed to do and he wired in my electrical box and he wired me into the house. But other than that, I've done everything by myself. So it's been, yeah, it's been a really big learning curve, but it's been really awesome too.
0: That's really exciting to hear. It, again, I grew up on a, as some of the listeners know, I grew up on the job site. My father was like an electrical contractor when I was a kid. So there's always some bit of fascination to seeing how blueprints become an eventual house that become a building, the reality from the abstract. So it's really neat to get to see that in your own farm.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been like, yeah, it's just really fun. And it's really fun to be able just to break things down and be like, because it's such a minimal space too, I really have to be like, does this work here? Um, and then there's kind of been some unintentional things where, you know, I've made a couple of curved things. Like I, 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 made a little curve on one of my countertops and I made a kind of a spirally staircase thing. And then I realized that like all these little curves that I was making were kind of like helping people flow through the space. And I was just like, I don't know, it was just neat. It was fun.
0: You're using feng shui and you didn't even know.
1: Oh, it's just all working together.
0: <laughs> so, you've received some news about your customers recently. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what this latest update on the farm is?
1: Yeah, so I guess at the last last season, my plan for sales and growth was to hit up local grocery stores. I was pretty much just going to sell bagged greens to local grocery stores and then I was also hoping to sell quite a lot to this one aggregator. They were um Taking, They were aggregating products from local customers and taking it into the big city about an hour away. And they had like 50 or 60 different restaurant customers and bigger customers. That's really what my, my plan was for last season. And then right away at the beginning of last season, that aggregator lost its funding. It was a... Um, yeah, it was a not-for-profit. So, so I was, I was left with my grocery store things, which was going okay. But I had this whole other spot that I thought I was going to start selling to like a lot more and um, it didn't work out at all. So I was like, okay, I don't, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing this season on my farm. I was like, you know, do I want to do a farmer's market or do I want to start doing a CSA or whatever, but I'll probably do something and my grocery store thing. Yesterday, one of my bigger customers One of my bigger customers is a farm slash market. Like they have their own farm, they have their own orchards. They have Mm -hmm. it's a it's a crazy operation, but they didn't have anything to do lettuce. But I just seen on Instagram yesterday that that they set up a hydroponic greenhouse and they're growing. um, Yeah, they're growing lettuce. So I'm assuming it will definitely even if they did want my stuff, it would like 100% impact me there. And I probably don't have as much room for growth as I thought. So that's where I'm at. I just found this, like, I just seen this yesterday and then I messaged you and I said, I would like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: actually it's odd that you texted me when you did, because so you texted me as I'm, well, I texted you also, but as I'm watching shark tank and there's Fun fact folks, if you watch Shark Tank, you learn businessy words pretty quickly and it's really an interesting way of looking at it, so I'm actually really excited that we get to talk about business stuff just after I watch Shark Tank. So, perfect timing.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking that we could talk about because like honestly, my initial thought yesterday when I seen that just based on how everything had kind of been going up to this point, my initial thought was um if there was going to be a time to quit, this is it. It's right between seasons. I've made money. I haven't lost any money. Like I, I have money in the bank account. I have no like in I've got money in my business account at the bank. I've got no debt. So I'm at a pretty good spot if I was gonna quit. Like I'm not losing anything. I have all my tools. I have all my everything. And yeah, I was really thinking the first thought I was was that um if there was gonna be a good time to quit, this would be it. And then my other thought was, do I still want to farm. And I thought, I thought, yes, I would like to still farm. I really like farming, but I right now where I'm at, whatever, 20 hours after hearing this, I think I'm like, I think I'm at the spot where I would still definitely like to grow my own food, but I don't necessarily need to do it as a full-time gig.
0: Mm -hmm. So what then are you looking at as your strategy for next year? Are you looking at getting the part-time job then, and reducing the farm to managing the accounts you currently have, and then feeding yourself, or just going to I'm going to farm for myself and do more my own sustenance farming, and then do another job.
1: So, at the end of October, I knew I was going to have to get a winter job. It, like it wasn't a surprise. I, I knew that it was going to happen for a long time or whatever. And I started. In October, I started sending out things on Craigslist for, you know, sending out emails and stuff. And I sent out, like, I didn't even have a resume, you know, I just was sending out feelers. And um, I had quite a bit of interest. And then I actually started getting some of the best job offers that I've ever gotten by, like, quite a bit. That's Like, fantastic. I wanted, yeah, I wanted every, like, I wanted every Friday off to do my delivery, basically. And only wanted to work until spring. And I was going to, like, these woodworking places and this one, like, yeah, I got, like, I got, like, a, a really, yeah, I got one of my best, jo- like, um, offers and he wanted me, he I only had to work four days a week. I only had to be contracted with him till April. Um, I was going to get every single Friday off. All that he wanted for me to know was, like, that I didn't have to, uh, I wasn't going to take any extra days off or anything like that. And he was totally fine with me doing the farm and all of that. And then I ended up getting this way better job that paid even more. I, I like I spray finish Genie lifts. This company that I work for, they they buy used uh, Genie lifts, scissor lifts, like scissor booms, you know, those type of things. Yeah. The like construction stuff, and they they just make private sales, and so they have a paint shop, and they just have like one or two jobs a week coming through, and so I get paid pretty good from them to do that because they only have like a limited amount of of work coming through the shop. But it's like it's great. It's based. I'm basically like an independent contractor with my own shop, but I don't have any of the responsibilities of like, like Overhead. everything. Yeah. Or figuring it out. Like I just, I go to the paint store and get everything and I just bring them the invoice. Oh, like nice. It's like, I don't have to do anything. Like I'm, I'm an employee on the books. Um, I just, the way we do, I pay is like, they'll just have a machine and they'll be like, okay, this one needs this done, this done, and this done. It's going to take you like whatever, this amount of time. So we're going to pay you out at like $650 for this machine. And then I get, and then there's a due date on it. And as long as it's done by then I get my 650 bucks. It doesn't matter how long I took or nothing. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, so anyways, I went to go get these, these jobs and I got like these really cool job offers that were like really, really good. And so I'm kind of realizing now that my skills have gotten to a point in time where Like when I first started my farm, I, I don't think I was worth that much money, so it was really easy for me to not to not think about wanting to make the upper limit. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I was going to take a hit farming, like not a hit, but like I knew I could make more doing something else. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I don't think I realized how much more that I think I could have made if I was doing something else. But I think that for my farm, I think that I would like to keep some of these, I think that I have enough, like kind of, of these like part-timey high paying jobs. I think I have enough of them that I can make that work and then just do the farm part-time. So right now, and this is still so fresh. It's pretty much like, like, you know, whatever, but um, We're getting the I think ink
0: off the page.
1: Yes, exactly. I think that I would like to do like a, like maybe like a, like a 12 person CSA and grow my own food. Keep, a, keep a couple of maybe of my smaller grocery stores and maybe just do one restaurant. Cause I know the one guy was asking me for more stuff but just keep that and keep it like probably like under $20,000 in revenue and just do that. So I have like the farm part-time and then just do an eclectic group of whatever else worked to make it work. Mm -hmm.
0: So basically you'd be turning your farm into a side hustle for all intents and purposes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I really liked, um, what Greg Burns said. He, He, Greg Burns I don't know if he came up with it or not, but he was definitely the one that told me about it, but he had this like concept of a farmstead and there's yes. like, a yeah, there's like a commercial farm and there's a home like that's where you're making all your money off of for like for yourself. Like that's your living. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people that have a homestead and that's like, that's like they're, uh, they're living off the land and stuff, but they have to pay for it. Like they have to, they have to have other jobs. But then I think there's this thing in the middle that's like a farmstead and it's like, we're going to try to, turn $1 into $2, but we're not necessarily trying to make like our income off of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's what I would like to have a lot more. I think that I could just have a really a low, like I already have all the best tools and everything. Like I already have all the tools. I have all the gear. I have all the everything to do like a, uh, like a small person CSA for me right now would be like, it would be like nothing. It'd be so easy. Yeah. I don't know. That's where, that's where I'm at.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I remember that came up recently. Our season one, or not season one, the first guest of 2019 is Diego Footer, and I think we discussed it a little bit with him too. I, I can't remember who came up with the concept, but I do remember recently talking about the idea of the farmstead, and it's a really good notion because I think too many people seem to think they have to be one way or the other. They either are going to, you know, we've met these people, Scott, and there are probably several listening now, bless your hearts. You go, hey, I've watched the Joel Salton videos, I've read the books, and I'm going to go out and buy a hundred pastured broilers, two cows, and a turkey, and I'm going to raise them all right on pasture in these beautiful little pens that I'm going to build with the lumber that I just purchased. That may be taking on a little bit too much too quick for whatever your skill level is, but when you can... Do it as something that is a net benefit to your life when it's a farmstead where you're not having to necessarily actively spend to get to hobby farm. It could be really nice, especially when it's something that generates revenue for you instead of constantly draining it.
1: Yeah, totally. And like, I don't think that, um, I also like whatever. I'm probably trying to convince myself that it's like, okay to quit. (laughs) So I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm probably like, I think I'm probably rationalizing it a little bit. Um, I lost what I was going to say.
0: You think you're rationalizing it?
1: Oh, uh, I think there's a lot of people that just take, um, a lot of their like self-interest out of what they do. They think that's, they think that who they are is, um,
0: their definition, their identity.
1: Yeah. And I I don't know if I was like that, but I definitely, I I think I might've been a little bit like that before where I put a little bit of myself into my things. And like, if those things didn't work out, I thought that reflected badly upon me, but I'm a lot, like I'm a lot more detached from that whole perspective now. And like, I just think that for my personality and my temperament, like, I don't know if I'm necessarily a commercial farmer. Like there's this guy, there's this Michael Green's guy named Chris Thoreau. And he's out of Vancouver here and he does microgreens. And at first I wanted to do microgreens. And so I bought his course and I seen how he was doing everything and how meticulous he was and how he was keeping records. And I thought two things. I had two thoughts. The first thought was, wow, that's the way to grow microgreens. Like that's how you do it. Uh, but the other thought that I had was that I am never going to grow microgreens like that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I have no business scaling up a microgreens business. So I never did scale up my microgreens business because I knew I was never going to be meticulous about checking the humidity and um and having all these like systems like where it was just like like that's just not me like I'm too much of like a wild man to be kind of managing like this with definitely my temp-
0: a wild man Scott
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so it just doesn't work with my temperament though like it it takes me like I can do it but it just takes me so much energy and effort like I'm battling to do these things and when I see the guys that have really high profitable market gardens like Connor Crickmore, J M Curtis like I. See See, I think that I have the same type of drive and determination as them, but I think they have a lot of skills that I don't have. Um, where these guys are like keeping like really good records, and I'm not that meticulous like that. Like, some people think that I'm a perfectionist and stuff, and I always get really weirded out whenever they say that because I totally think that I'm not a perfectionist. I think I'm just like, I think I go way too much the other way where I'm just throwing too much stuff against the wall.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a good thing to know about yourself. I have met far too many people who. Aren't aware of who they are. I, that sounds weird to say, but really, knowing yourself is a really good first step to gain anything done. Mm-hmm. And there are some people we have a, especially in the states, I'd say, uh, a cult of the entrepreneur. As I said, just watching Shark Tank, yeah, that too. we have so many people that they have a great idea for a product, and maybe the idea is even fantastic, but they may not be the person to turn it into a business because. Some people just aren't caught out for that kind of thing or their talents are not there. Their talents are elsewhere. I've, there are many people that I've learned to respect extremely for simply knowing what their talents are, what their temperament is and pursuing things that go along with that. It's one of the reasons why I don't work an office job. I figured out pretty early on, I don't do well in an office environment. If I did, I'd be there.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, and I don't think that I, I don't think that I knew that these things about myself when I first started either. Like, I don't think it was like something that I was repressing. Like I think I just didn't know like that. I don't think I knew what it would take or that maybe I don't have the temperament, but I'm also like, I'm also not resentful or anything. Like when I see, um, when I see some other people and how they work and stuff, I'm like, oh, I think to myself like, oh, I don't necessarily want to do that either. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't look very fun to me. Like um, if they think that's fun, that's cool. But like for me, that doesn't look very fun.
0: Mm -hmm. So an example I would use in that case is I have met many people that are excellent landscaper, lawn care professionals, and God bless them. They love their job. They're good at it and they can make a lot of money doing it. I look at that and say, I would rather die because it has many things in the job that I simply know I do not have the temperament for or the enjoyment for but dear goodness I'm impressed to see how much wonder and skill and joy that they can take from the profession
1: yeah it's crazy when you're just like it's, it's I crazy it's maturity, trying to figure this Scott out. <laughs> ah, a little maturity well um, and
0: if we're going to use yeah.
1: the the story the storybook
0: uh template in this case one could say that part of your you have taken a journey in which you are learning about yourself and through your farming experiences you've not only gained skills but you've also learned more about who you are and what you're good at
1: oh yeah for sure oh yeah oh yeah it's been a it's been a great journey and i'm not i don't like i'm not um i'm not regretful about it at all um i think that i'll i think that i originally thought that i wanted to have a farmstead and then i seen how Curtis was making money on his farm. And I thought, Oh wait, maybe I would like to do that. But I think that the answer that I got to now is that I think I would rather do something else (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that. That was my initial thought. As soon as I seen that post on Instagram, I was like, Oh, maybe this is my chance to do something else. Um,
0: And that's a really interesting point to note because the fact is, so right now it being as we're recording, it is near new year's and I'm writing an article about, okay, what does change look like? Why does change matter in our years? Why, if we resist it all the time, is it so important? And the thing I find fascinating is that things like that, you looking at the Instagram post and it clicking in your head, oh, this could cause something to change. Your perspective on it, your your response to it, I think is fascinating because really without events like that, how many of us would never change anything?
1: Oh yeah, and you know what? Though too that I was thinking about well because there was a couple things that happened when I was thinking about all of this. I mean my brain's been going like a bazillion miles an hour. But um Great one quality. of the things was yeah, one of the things that I was thinking was before I would have had to tell myself in my head like that that this like before I would have taken the hit personally and thought like this is bad, like this situation is bad, like my whole business is imploding, like I'm gonna lose my business. Mm-hmm. And th- and like I would have had to talk myself through it and, and say like, No, this isn't bad. This isn't this doesn't have negative or positive connotations attached to it, right? It just is what it is, it's nothing. Cynicism. So Yes, exactly. I would have had to like walk my way through that whole process. Like it would have been like a very, like, you know, tiptoe my way around it. Like think it through logically Mm -hmm. um, and try to work through all those feelings. It would have been
0: a conscious process.
1: Yeah. But this time it was involuntary. It was just like, it was just like instant. Like I just seen it and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like that happened. Okay. That happened. What am I going to do now? And then that's pretty much what I've been thinking about for like the past like two days Mm -hmm. or a day.
0: If if I can take a step back to something else you made a comment at just that I thought was interesting is the idea of not taking your identity from what you do mm-hmm. one of the things that's been interesting since moving is I've gotten the chance to meet a lot of different people They're, and you know when you're meeting people it's that oh hi so what do you do oh I do this but well, what do you do well I do this I have met a, there are about two people that I've met I think I didn't know what they did for probably the first five, seven times that I met them. And I thought it was fascinating simply because they genuinely do not pull their identity from their work. And on the one level, I think it's fascinating from an anthropological standpoint of, wow, these people seem to be so content, not necessarily caring that who they are is based on their work, especially considering I tend to be more in that camp.
1: In the, in the you base yourself based on your work?
0: I don't necessarily base my worth on my work but not hmm, what's the way of phrasing it i base i have made the mistake and i'll be very open in saying it i often make the mistake of valuing myself based on what i can do which isn't necessarily based on what i am doing as in what my form of employment is but more based on what can i personally do in this world so slight variance but same general idea And I just thought it was interesting that that's something that most of us do consciously or unconsciously is Mm -hmm. we say, well, I'm this. And they don't take time to consider, well, what are you apart from it? Because let's say Scott, as not a market gardener, is still Scott. Scott, who is not a mixed martial artist, is still Scott. Your identity is not solely based upon how you gain it income or how you choose to spend your time.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's another thing too, that, um, that me just doing a lot of different things has allowed me to do is because like, I'm just so detached for now. Like when I meet someone, it depends where I'm at. Like it, it totally depends on where I'm at and who I'm with for how I get introduced. Like if I'm at the gym, You don't say anything about like what you do for work or anything. If you're at the fight gym, you just show up and it's like, oh, this is Scott, this is Beetle, Um, whatever. (laughs) That's my nickname. But he's like, he's like, whatever. This is Beetle. And then you train, and they're like, oh, this guy's like, this guy must train all the time. Like he's pretty helpful and like does all this. And it's like, no, actually, I I do uh, a farm and I do YouTube and I draw and I work at this other place and I do this other thing and I have a dog and like I built a tiny house (laughs) and like it just keeps going and going and going, right? So like I think that kind of by accident. Um, I conditioned myself, uh, out of that, but I can see, I can see it so clearly, especially in a lot of, a lot of the really, um, a lot of the really passionate farmers, I can see it in them just because it's my field. So I have a, a big sample size of it, but I can start to see those qualities. Like, like when someone's like, just like, so, um, so yeah, just really, I, I think passionate is a kind of a good, like a good word, but I'm using it in a little bit of a negative context, I guess right now.
0: Well, We've discussed Stoicism before. Passion can get thrown to the sidelines in service of pure logic and reason, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm saying that slightly sarcastically, but
1: yeah, yeah. the 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 ancient Greeks they actually um they they tried to avoid the passions. They called them the passions, and they had a different meaning for passions than we have for passion now. Like they thought it was something negative for sure. They thought it was yeah a negative.
0: I'm often reminded of a Mike Rowe quote who, by the way, if anyone has not read his book uh, the way I heard it, I highly recommend it just because of the bits of his own story in it. It's fantastic. But he told, he talks about how you shouldn't necessarily, he hates it when people say follow your passion because guess what? In general, that's terrible advice. Mm -hmm. Instead, find something that you're good at that you can find some delight in and bring your passion with you. Don't subject yourself to your passions. Instead, subject your passions to what you're interested in or what you want to do. That tends to be a far more profitable way of using those energies. I think even in, uh, isn't there one of the chapters in Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday? Doesn't one of those chapters talk about purpose over passion? I think.
1: Um, yeah, I think so. A lot of those, a lot of Mike Rowe's sentiments, I think, carry through into kind of that whole stoicism-type thinking. Um, and even into, like, some of that. I was I was reading this uh, Japanese samurai book, Musashi, and uh, there's some stuff in there about si- similar ideas, similar ideas. So I was thinking today how it's interesting when, like, an idea echoes through time like that, across time, across different cultures. Like, it just stuck around. It's like there's some, there's some quality there, you know?
0: There's a, a degree of universal truth. I think that was... Uh... Stillness is the key. Ryan Holiday's latest mm. book is, I think that's one of his main points is listen. So stoicism talks about stillness. Yes, but Christianity does Judaism does Zen Buddhism does. And he uses examples from all over the world and real people for the importance of stillness and peace in your life. What I'd like to kind of do is have some final thoughts on where you think you're going to go this next year. And, what would you say are the skills that you have taken the most from in your farming experience?
1: Um, where I'm going to go next year. I don't know right now. I'm so lost and thinking about it, but I think that right now I'm pretty committed to doing something differently. Like I, I already had to have to do something differently, but I mean, without having the grocery store thing, it's going to be really different. So yeah, maybe more of a farmstead type thing and just use all the infrastructure and stuff that I already have from doing my market garden just to make it like really sick and just grow my own food and have fun. I think I would like to um I think I would like to still do something creatively if I could. Like I would really like the YouTube thing to work out. Um so I maybe get more a bit more serious about try to make some uh, better videos and stuff. And as far as skills, man, I've I I have so many skills now. I'm um the farming has pushed me so far so much further than I ever could have imagined. I have so many more skills now just across um multiple disciplines that uh yeah, I'm really a lot more capable than I thought I was. I think for a long time that I've been a generalist and that I wasn't that great at everything like maybe like a 6 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10, but I felt that lately that um a couple of my skills have gotten up to a point in time where I'm at an eight out of 10, but I think that I'm at at like an eight out of 10 on like four or five things. And I'm at a seven out of 10 on like another like 10 things. So I feel that like, I'm just building up a lot, I guess to, um, to a good spot. And I'm really, if this is the end of my farm, as far as being like a, a full-time commercial farmer, um, I'm happy with the process. I'm really happy that I went into it. I really felt like that. The one thing that I wanted from out of my farm when I first started was getting autonomy over my own life. And I really feel that like now, now I pretty much have that. And, um, yeah, I just really feel blessed and grateful, um, for yeah, all the memories and the friendships and stuff along the way. And, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time for talking with me today. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got.
0: Well, thank you for joining us on the show again today, Scott. Big thanks to Scott for joining us on the show today. Since recording this interview, he has gone on to create a video more explicitly discussing what he plans to do with his farm going forward. We've linked that YouTube video in the show notes, and be sure to check out not only that video, but all the other great content he has on YouTube also. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the podcast and whatever your podcast player of choice is. While you are there, if you can leave us a rating and review, letting others know how great the show is, that would be much appreciated. Thanks again for listening. This has been Terrence Leahy and the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast reminding you to keep farming the dream.